in the vast expanse of the cosmos. Far beyond the reaches of known space lies a cluster of uncharted systems, a mysterious realm where stars blaze like celestial beacons guiding or luring wayward souls. As the starship's engines hum with the energy of a thousand suns, your crew stands at the threshold of the unknown. The ship, a marvel of interstellar engineering, is your sanctuary and your vessel to points unknown. Your mission? Explore these uncharted systems to uncover that which is ancient and buried on many a forgotten world, to negotiate with peoples long cut off from the light of the sun and unravel the mysteries that lie hidden in the depths of space. But beware, for not all secrets are meant to be unearthed, and the darkness between the stars holds perils beyond imagination and worlds without number. The Jaunty Madness. It's another episode. Can you believe it? Season two. Something, something without numbers. Jesse is my co-host. I'm Maddie. We are two nerds with creative questions. We are curious gamers, and that's what the Jaunty Mantis is all about. And in season two, Jesse, what are we doing? What is the theme? We are talking about genre and creation, the creative process. In a sense, Creations without number. Yes, that's what it is. We've devoted season two to uh, creating uh, settings, and we are using the tools of one Kevin Crawford, Sign Nominate Publishing, with a full disclosure that we have no support, payment, or contact with Mr. Crawford or that company. We've paid our own money for these books. We love these tools, and we love creating these worlds and universes together our first set was cyberpunk our second set was fantasy and our third set is science fiction the book we are using is called stars without number correct we do we have a quick recap for what we created uh, we created some stars, we created some worlds, we created some themes around those worlds on those stars and those little pockets of our science fiction universe. It got, uh, got kind of bleak. We created a zombie planet. <laughs> I love <laughs> we... the zombie planet. And, uh, and if you, uh, if this is your first episode of the John D. Mantis, uh, you know, maybe uh, start at uh, episode one or at least uh, backtrack to uh, one episode before this one where we started our cyberpunk creative process. I'm sorry, Sci-fi. our science fiction one. So that was episode seven. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what we've been doing is we've been utilizing the tables and systems in Kevin Crawford's books in order to come up with our setting. Jesse, what are we working on today? Uh, I think we're going to flesh out some of the other planets that we have created for our sector. Um, We have, I think we still could populate like 20, I think 23 more stars than what we have. (laughs) Uh, but we oh, have yeah. four stars that just kind of have a two world tag. Um, the one, the only one we've really fleshed out is Tehu, which is the zombie world. Mm-hmm. I love the zombie world. Zombie world is best world. Mm-hmm. Um, we basically rolling on the tables in the last episode that hopefully you're not binging because otherwise (laughs) we keep re-explaining it over and over again yeah basically we have a world that had a city planet like coruscant and star wars 
uh, we rolled urbanized surface and zombies, which I thought just was delightful. Mm -hmm. Um, it has a corrosive atmosphere. Uh, the biosphere is a hybrid of earth life and whatever native alien life there was. And it has several million inhabitants despite the zombie plague. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's some interesting people there, like the insane AI <laughs> and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I think we're going to jump in today with, uh, what was it? One five. What page are we starting on for those listening at home? We got to flesh out our tags. So this, this star system, its keywords are sealed menace and cold war. That's right. So we rolled for our tags for each one of our sectors. And, uh, and is this, this is no longer the zombie planet. We're on a different planet now. Yeah, we are. We are moving to a different planet. This one is actually unreachable from the zombie planet until we fill in some more stars. Okay. <clears throat> so what we know about the sealed, uh, yeah, the sealed menace cold war planet, it has a breathable atmosphere. Um, the native life is actually can interact with, uh, Terran biology. You, if you kill an animal on this planet, you can eat it. Uh, and it has hundreds of millions of inhabitants and the tech level is tech level four, which is basically, um, in stars without number, this is, means it's, uh, post tech. So they have started to emerge from the dark age of whatever great cataclysm fucked up faster than light travel. Right. Um, so not, not where it was before, but they're not, you know, they're more advanced technologically than we are now. Mm -hmm. And each one of these tags comes with an EFCTP. Jesse, what do these stand for? They stand for enemy, friend, complication, thing, and place. And that's the beauty of Kevin Crawford's method is he has, he has figured out what, you know, what you need to, what you need to develop in order to establish a setting or an adventure or whatever. And he has focused these resources on that. So coming up with each one of these things is key in order to work smarter, not harder, which is what we're all about here at the John D. Vantis. Yeah, I am. I am for the Rifts campaign, just using these tables so much when I think about <laughs> planning like a next session, like, hey, what's the weird tag? What's the OK, cool. Got it. Go. So in every episode, we our due diligence is to not only disclose that we have no support from Cyanomine or Kevin Crawford, but also that we super believe in these products. We love these products. These products are available for free, and you should definitely go check them out, read them, see how awesome they are, and then go purchase the full versions of them uh, because uh, Kevin Crawford is a uh, genius. Yeah. All right. And uh, you, I think if you ever want to talk to him, the only way is through Reddit because his stance on social media makes Maddie look calm and sedate. Oh, perfect. I think, I think he and I would get along uh, at least reasonably well in that regard. We'll never know because he is a <laughs> cipher. Unknowable. Perfect. Perfect. Um, what we were doing for this is because we had rolled two tags, we were each going to pick up one tag, read the description and then kind of hash it out. Right. Uh, do you want to, can I do sealed menace and you get cold war? Yeah. Yeah. Let me get to cold war. So read the description, the opening description for sealed menace. Something on this planet has the potential to create enormous havoc for the inhabitants if it is not kept safely contained by its keepers. Whether a massive seismic fault line suppressed by pre-tech terraforming technology, a disease that has to be quarantined within hours of discovery, or an ancient alien relic that requires regular upkeep in order to prevent planetary catastrophe, the menace is a constant shadow on the fearful populace. And I have Cold War. Two or more great powers control the planet, and they have a hostility to each other that's barely less than open warfare. The hostility might be ideological in nature, or it might 
revolve around control of some local resource. So we're going to start with the E category, which is enemies. And each of us are going to, how do we do this last time? Each one of us picked one from yeah, the end. To mash cat. them together. Mm-hmm. So I have a suspicious chief of intelligence, native who thinks the outworlders are with the other side, and a femme fatale. Ah. <laughs> Which I absolutely love that that is, that is an inclusion in this selection. Classic honeypot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very Cold War-esque. Go for it. I have a hostile outsider bent on freeing the menace, a misguided fool who thinks they can use it, a reckless researcher who thinks they can fix it. Ooh. I like the sound of that. A reckless researcher femme fatale. What do you think? Yeah, I think we're there. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Next is our F. I just, I just, that just for some reason, it just took me to the, uh, the purge planet, Rick and Morty episode. Uh huh. Uh huh. Hey, Jesse, 24, hot, but she doesn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. I love it. I love it. A reckless researcher, femme fatale. This is going to go places, people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she can fix it. Mm -hmm. She just needs information from the other side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So for for the F category, the friends, uh, I'll start. I have an apolitical information broker, a spy for the other side, unjustly accused innocent, and in quotes, he's a bastard but he's our bastard official. <laughs> I have keeper of the menace, student of its nature, or victim of the menace. Mm, I like keeper of the menace. That has like a kind of a, uh, a wizard of Oz kind of feel to it. And for some reason, what's the menace? What is the menace? <laughs> Is it an alien intelligence at the center of the world? Um, is it like a, a, a spirit? Is it like um, a Cthulhu-like uh, otherworldly intelligence that is leaking into our reality? I think you just said the same thing three times. I think I just did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like that Simpsons joke where they're like, a mathematician, a different kind of mathematician, and a statistician. <laughs> <laughs> um have have you watched invasion no what is that it's a show on apple plus uh about an alien invasion of earth and it's very odd um good horror movie vibes i don't know i'm, I'm kind of digging it but the the aliens are really really alien <laughs> like oh, okay i dig that not like what like you've seen like the things they use as troops but they're mm -hmm. fractal lamprey spider node thing i don't know it's weird um very non-euclidean like not really sure if they're even from this plane of existence I, it's it's cool it's a bizarre uh i like that it. appeals that appeals to me i i once wanted to create a science fiction setting for a science fiction role playing game, I should say, where human was the only playable option. And then if anybody was like, well, is there, there are there any other aliens? I'm like, well, there are the, these other aliens, you know, they're super isolationist, super intelligent, but they're the only other intelligent life that, that you've encountered in the universe and humans just leave them alone. They're basically like, what are the, what are those, what are those things that we have on our, our, I'm, I'm like blanking on the name. Those like, um, really old mollusk like creatures that just kind of hang out near the water occasionally. What are they called? Barnacles? No. Oh God. I had it on the tip of my tongue, but they're basically like, they're basically like the trolodite, trollop, trilobites. Is that God? I'm fucking stupid. Those what are, are extinct. 
okay so they're basically like that i guess uh they're just these creatures that are just hanging out on planets not doing anything and like humans have encountered them and they're super intelligent but they're not a threat and they're they're on planets that humans don't want to be on so like they've taken them they've taken them home they've studied them they've cut them up and there's no consequences for it they're just boring and so i kind of want to lean into that idea in a sense that like um the the menace is it, it are these aliens that they brought to the planet or that they discovered in the planet and were perceived not to be a threat and then they all like turned on one day you know what i mean what do you think about yes that? or they're they're they started to turn on and they figured out how to hold the process but not shut it down okay yeah so then what is the cold war aspect of this relationship is it different nation states one of them like are keeping and controlling these creatures or there are both of are both nation states trying to weaponize the creatures against each other it was this something that was already existent on the planet i mean i figure it's scarier if it was there before humans colonize the planet if it's okay. like improbably ancient mm -hmm. maybe like even it. the reason that they colonized the world but then it turned out hey you know they're actually just boring um yeah and, yeah until something happened what we got two thing? nation states so i don't know like given their level of technology i'm thinking maybe two pretty different geographic regions mm -hmm. like two continental bodies okay and what is has this been a hot war in the past has it always been a cold war has that just been the history of this planet is they've just been enwrapped in a in a uh cold war since that that's just what everybody's used to because like if it's a like if like um some of us did live during the time of the cold war in the united states and there was a part of it that like i mean i was a child at the time so keep that keep that for what it is but there was this aspect of impending doom that people just kind of got used to in a weird sort of way like life still had to go on like both sides probably and maybe i'm looking at this with rose tinted glasses or something but it's like when you read about the cold war and you're like god that was really happening like people really thought like nuclear destruction could happen at any moment you know like the watchman with the ticking clock to destruction the moment of destruction right and yeah shit's fucked up right now for sure uh but when you're locked in a struggle where anything could happen, but nothing is really happening, is it possible I mean, for people to get used to that? Like for our younger listeners who are politically astute before you get angry letters, nothing was happening to us in America or to Russians in Russia. <laughs> if you lived in a number of different places around the world, terrible things were in fact happening to you, but not to the superpowers involved in stoking that conflict i'm just talking about it from the american perspective i can't begin to speak for other people in other places from different experiences but as a child living in the 80s that is my perception of it take it for what it is i mean i, I think to me i mean what jumps out as an idea is that there was a hot war and that's what started the wake-up process mm-hmm okay and that's and then there was a peace okay because they had to cooperate like say it just like it started to wake up and the first step was terraforming a quarter of the world with some really alien shit okay like, and then they figured out how to stop it or slow it down um and like i almost imagine like you know like that have you ever seen the like dmz in, between korea no i haven't oh like it's like i imagine the controls or the workstations that keeps this thing whatever tech they came up with that keeps it clamped down 
it's like the border between North and South Korea, where there's like the scientists on each side, they change the guard visibly in front of each other, staring each other down. Like, gotcha. So our cold war was a hot war that the aliens kind of came into, into their own and something terrible happened uh, as a result of it. And they were able to kind of put it on lockdown and now they're just kind of staring at each other, like, you know, mutually assured destruction because nobody knows exactly what activated it. Is it kind of like a day of mourning kind of situation from Eberron? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. They figured out how to stop or pause the process, not reverse mm -hmm. it. Like I'm picturing a planet that had these creatures, these like docile, boring alien creatures on them that didn't bother anyone. They were just sitting there and humans would just come along and basically kick them and then nothing would happen. And then they would lose interest in them. Oh, and, and they one... were delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then some, so what happens like something like an, uh, a, 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 an ecological planetary event of some sort. I don't know, maybe somebody used like somebody used seismic weapons. Okay. And then they were what they were buried underground and they came up to the surface and then yeah, what and happened? The control node that reprogrammed the docile things to be incredibly fast and deadly predators. <laughs> like, I don't know. Oh, okay. So we're going Jurassic Park then, right? Yes, fucking dinosaurs. <laughs> Like that half dinosaur, half spider, really looking a lot more like a spider, but hunting like a dinosaur in Jurassic Park. So this is the part where I think you and I are diverging, which is totally fine. We've agreed and gotten gotten in in sync with each other on so many different things. But I I just started to realize that you and I are looking at this in two totally different ways. So we need to make a decision because I was thinking that this was these um creatures that like are not aggressively killing people but have all come to the surface and changed things in a way that has caused a disaster and so that 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 is that kind of like supports the cold war idea of it it's different when you have creatures that are like actively dinosaur style running around the planet like preying on people but they're not there's like an exclusion zone Okay. Sell me on it. Like uh like on the land bridge between the two continents that people always thought from satellite. That looks a little well too uniform for like geological forces. That's kind of weird. That's why there was a research station there. Mm. Um when the thing went off, but like that's where it started and they were able to shut it down before it sent that up. So they they've walled it off. There's like an exclusion zone you can still get air transport to the now heavily armored fortified dual nation research station where they keep an eye on each other through armored lab windows, you know, where they watch the, like whatever the glowing crystals that are very obviously powering, like some sort of visual display that this thing is in the middle of a process. Okay. I got it. But they paused it somehow. Okay, so some of these things got active and they were able to deal with it. Now the rest of the process is paused. They're now pretty sure that those docile ones outside this exclusion zone, maybe like, you know, I don't know, maybe be only like 100 miles square mm -hmm. on this land bridge. They're pretty sure that it was ring-shaped and it was going to just expand over the whole world and do it all of them and then everybody's fucked. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So they paused the activating protocol. That turns yes. these things into monsters. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that is a happy marriage between both ideas. I think that's an excellent compromise. Cool. Okay, so what does the C stand for again? Remind me. Uh, C is the complication. Okay. For Cold War, we have police sweep, low-level skirmishing, red scare. Ooh. What do you like about those? I like low level skirmishing. I think that, you know, with both sides sides 
pausing this effect, whatever is keeping that balance in check is it could be thrown out of whack very easily by like these desperate little groups that are trying to continue the fight who don't agree with, you know, the ceasefire aspect of it. And because they're involved, they have the potential to screw everything up without even realizing it. I think police sweep is too local and red scare. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not really doing much for me. If the police sweep happens when the, the players have just landed on the planet, then it's not too local. Mm -hmm. That's true. I think low level skirmishing is a much more entry level complication. Okay. What about I've you? got the menace would bring great wealth along with destruction. The menace is intelligent and the natives don't all believe in the menace, which I don't know, living through the last three years. <laughs> that doesn't seem plausible. Sure. Which one of those do you like? Uh, the alien uh, that the natives don't all believe in the menace. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's very easy. Right. If you have an isolated event that was contained before it could spread, then the only way to really prove that this is a problem is to let it happen. Yeah. So if you get some of those idiots in the government, you know, who are just like, no, we can take them. (laughs) Like, let's use our seismic weapons. (laughs) (laughs) But if you look on the big board, sir, we have them flanked. The big board. All right. I I like it. I like it. Do we want to delve a little deeper into what the low level skirmishing is, or do we want to let that play out with the next two? I think that can play out with the next two. I mean, it's probably just like commandos. Mm -hmm. Well, the T, which stands for what again? (laughs) Thing. Thing. I have list of traders in the government, secret military plans, Huge cache of weapons built up in preparation for war. A key to unlock the menace, a precious byproduct of the menace, and the secret of the menace's true nature. Those are all good. I think for mine, I'm going to choose huge cache of weapons built up in preparation for war because I think that feeds very easily into the low-level skirmishing and has the biggest and best chances of conveying the severity of low-level skirmishes uh, affecting everything. Okay. I think it's the secret of the menace's true nature. Oh, okay. What is the true nature? I don't know yet. (laughs) <laughs> I have questions. <laughs> All right. And the next part, the P, what does the P stand for? E is place. Place. I have a CD bar in a neutral area, political rally, isolated area where fighting is underway. If we want to get the player characters right into the action, isolated area where fighting is underway is a great way to do it crossed with a scene of the prior outbreak of the menace. Oh, okay. So there's something. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So then we need to figure out like, what is it that's causing this effect and under what circumstances does it, does the process start activating again? Because what you're suggesting is that in isolated pockets, it could, you know, which is very Jurassic park, right? (laughs) It's also very aliens too, right? Like the corp uh, trying to manipulate the xenomorph for its own uses and it never goes right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I mean, like the, like I'm just really inspired by invasion. Like the, the thing is magnetic, whatever it is. And it may be a hive consciousness, not entirely in our reality. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, like, when it does stuff, like, geometric patterns appear in the shaking ground, and, like, birds spin and 
figure eight spirals above it because it's electromagnetic like it's mm-hmm. yeah when you throw the birds off that's never good yep so i don't know hmm i think um if it was just on this one area there's no reason to skirmish there it's too close to the lab it's too obvious mm-hmm Maybe they keep most of their secret shit in the zones. There's multiple zones and they keep the governments keep their secret shit or their defense stations. There's some on the border uh, in there. Mm hmm. Because the horrible dinosaur things don't fly. Mm hmm. Do the horrible dinosaur things like emit something that disrupts like sensors or communication which makes it like the ideal place to hide shit and fight you know like it it adds a a, a danger fog of war aspect yes separating both of these nation states and that's like that's a that's one of the byproducts of like you, what one of your options was like an intelligent remind me it was like an intelligent uh something intelligent that hasn't been res- like resolved yet no i'm fucking stupid tonight i apologize but the menace is intelligent there's a there's an intelligence aspect to the menace like maybe this is a byproduct of their collective intelligence well one of them was the menace would bring great wealth along with destruction uh the menace is intelligent these are my complications mm-hmm. it was one of those a thing was a precious byproduct of the menace. Well, that could be our precious byproduct. Okay. Is that it's it's the precious it's we gotta get a little bit more conceptual about what is precious because the first thing that comes to mind is like riches or resources, right? Some sort of substance. But maybe the precious aspect is the byproduct of these creatures is creating this fog of war zone that makes it very easy or not very easy but it makes it makes it uh prone for launching offensive offensives against each other is this working i don't know if this is completely working i'm not completely sold to this yet i mean maybe they just fight because they hate each other like <laughs> i mean every i mean that's the you don't need a better reason than that I think I don't know if we're like if the aliens are giving off some sort of like hive mind resonant energy pulse that makes it nearly impossible to scan or strategically map this zone, then there is an incentive to activate the process and activate them so that you can stop this this effect. Like the stasis effect is causing this like this zone to happen right and if you want intel you could activate pockets of it to you know but there's a risk involved right so if they think there's a base in this zone they could like do a localized activation which would suddenly turn all the creatures into like predator mode (laughs) not like predator the movie but like i i go from docile creature into predator creature you know, and so there's a risk to them trying to to use the activation mechanism in order to gain intel, and that's that's one of the aspects of the Cold War. You get total secrecy, but I mean that is kind of the theme of a Cold War, right? Like you 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 like you fight each other through proxy. You know, there's devastating effects to to you know. Um, to doing things behind the scenes. What do you think? You got that look. I don't really I don't really know how to deal with a cold war. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we went to superpowers and then we forgot all the small states that they fight it out through proxy. Mm-hmm. So maybe a number of political polities and the ones that came out on top um after this sort of hemispheric content are the ones that didn't have the zones pop up in their domestic lands mm-hmm. but they hide their shit like in these nodes unless they're activating the creatures to be on their side 
and it's not a 100% science. Yeah. That could be, they could be using the alien menace as the proxy. And that kind of could have been what started the whole thing. Yeah. No, that's actually that you, that solves it. Like, <laughs> like that's how this whole thing got kicked off is both of these sides were using these creatures. They figured out how to activate them into their like Jurassic Park mode to use against each other, to weaponize against each other. And then that caused this great drift to happen where the creatures like start emerging from the ground or whatever and coming up to the surface. And it creates this bigger problem where they're like, well, I guess we have to stop activating these creatures against each other because we are then have a mutually assured destruction on our hands. And they've gotten a glimpse of what that would be like, you know, at this key moment, in the cold war, you know? And so to continue with the theme, instead of a huge cache of weapons built up in preparation for war, you make it that the tech there's like caches of the technology sitting available. And these, these groups that are still, um, these still low level skirmishes are activating the creatures. Okay. What do you think? I think it works. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I feel like we've we've kind of circled in on it. Um, we're in a good place. So mm -hmm. what about these horrible dinosaur spider creatures? Yeah, let's 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 head in that direction and and figure out what they're like. Now, Jesse. Is it possible that uh, Stars Without Numbers may have a system to create alien creatures and beasts? Um, I well, that would be really convenient, but I don't. Th oh, here on page two hundred, beasts. Oh, page two hundred. So, as far as stats go, uh, because of the the OSR roots, we don't really need to worry about them if we're staying within stars. Uh, without number like we probably should have done a worlds without number instead of trying to port in a 5e race uh-huh sure but uh you got basically a hit die an armor class an attack bonus and number the damage they do movement uh morale skills and then saving throws and that's it it's like all in, in one line but we can still talk about the uh the features. So we're going to need a D10 okay. for our horrific beasts. Got a 10. Roll twice and mix the result. Got a four. Insect. Got a two. Bird. Insect birds. Beetle-like, winged, and feathered. Oh, gross. They've got, like, feather-like protrusions made of chitin. I'm picturing scarabs with feathers. Um, Almost Egyptian mythology-themed. But uh. I don't... I'm not super sold on it, but that's the first thing that jumped into my head. Like, a, a, a scarab-like insect with feathers coming off of the sides of it. Okay. What do you think? I went stag beetle that's like bipedal and on bird, like clawed bird-like legs. Stag beetle. I Google that. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's in this, it's very similar to, to what I was describing easily in the same wheelhouse. Yep. Okay. But let's get a body plan. Okay. How do we do a body plan? Uh, roll a What D6. is a body plan? Explain what a body plan is. Like, how is it laid out? Okay. And on the table for body plan, which is on 201, we roll a D6. And we got a 5, which means they're amorphous. Ooh. Correct? Yes. Okay. And then do we just keep going on the list? Like limb novelty? Yeah. Okay. Number three, tentacles. 
Oh, hooray. So it's amorphous with tentacles. So it's an amorphous insectile bird with tentacles. Yes. Okay. All right. I can make this work. This is going to end up looking like the thing from your Apple TV Plus show. Yeah. Uh, skin novelty. I got a four. Molts, Molts regularly. regularly. <laughs> well, hey, it's got feathers. Ready for main weapon? Number two, claws. Okay. And... It is like the thing from Invasion. It's... <laughs> <laughs> and the size? Five. Hippo size. Perfect. Oh, my God. <laughs> I kind of wanted them to be cat sized. Just for the listener's sake, there was... The sizes were cat-sized, wolf-sized, calf-sized, bull-sized, hippo-sized, and elephant-sized. And I was secretly hoping for cat-sized. I was kind of hoping for elephant. Perfect. Sometimes we have we, we disagree. All right. Behavioral tactics. Okay. I think it's predatory. Oh, yeah. Right? Unless, unless we're looking for a twist. Well, there are two states of this creature. Could we could we roll twice or am I overcomplicating this? Yeah, roll twice. Why not? So for predator, so we'll say it's both predator and scavenger. Yep. And depending on what state it's in. So in its alpha predator state, we rolled D8, and we got a one. Hunts in kin group packs. Okay. And then in its scavenger state. We got a five. Disguises there... itself as prey. Did you roll on Predator twice? Oh, did I? There's three categories on the behavioral traits. I see Predator, Prey, and Scavenger. And for five for Prey was? Five for Scavenger was Disguises itself as Prey. Oh, okay. And then Attacks what tries to eat it. Okay. Okay. I, I looked at Prey. They're violent in certain seasons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's next? Um, the thing that just crossed my mind is I remember that on this world that it's a missable uh, biosphere, so you can eat these things and they can eat you. Mm, that's right. Like They will devour you. Okay. So they taste like chicken and we taste like chicken. Yeah. Okay. Just a happy chicken party. <laughs> that would uh, be a, harmful that, discharges. That would be an interesting kind of reveal to the player characters that that like the that humans and these aliens are the two most agreeable consumable things in the universe. It's like they're both you know what I'm saying? Like there like there's no indigestion, there's perfect nourishment, it tastes very good, but it's an in effect for both of them. They yeah, are that they're to both each superfoods. Yes. That's a great way to put it. They're both superfoods to each other. I just I don't know. I've also been thinking about this. I just want to mention this. There was a God, what system was it? I'm trying to remember the name of the system. It's the same one that's in rain. Um hmm. No, the one roll engine. There was a one roll engine game. Uh, I want to say Greg Stolze um, called Out of a Violent Planet. It was a sci-fi game. And uh, the entire premise was that like there is this vast multi-species out in the universe, but they're all psychic. Okay. Have you heard me talk about this before? No, I'm intrigued. So they're all psychic. So when they go to war or invade one, it's just psychic warfare. They never really bothered to make a whole lot of weapons because they just do everything like with psychic warfare. Okay. And then one of them arrives to invade Earth only to discover that Earth is, as far as they know, the only non-psychic species <laughs> in the entire galaxy. So the Earthlings, of course, like just walk up and club them. Uh, and take the ship and reverse engineer it and I guess jump out into the, the galaxy uh, where everybody out there is prey because... <laughs> oh, God. That is so human. I know. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. All right, a harmful discharge. Yes. And I'll also roll on this table. I'll get a seven. Equipment melting corrosive. Perfect. Nice. The tables, the tables are in our favor yet again. All right. Then what we kind get of to, poison is it? What kind of poison is it? It is a number five. Blindness poison. <laughs> What's the onset for that poison? Six minutes. Okay. And how long does it last? Five hours. Okay. So if one of them gets the stuff on you, it melts through your faceplate, and six <laughs> minutes later, you're blind for five hours. Perfect. Yeah. I love it. It'd be great if these things just started rising up out of the ground all over the entire planet. Human civilization would totally survive. Yeah. Especially when these creatures discover that humans are a superfood. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know what it is with humans. I could just eat them all day and I don't gain weight. Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> but they taste just like popcorn chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Which you would think you'd get sick of, but for some reason humans have a a, a, a veritable buffet of uh flavor. Boy, this planet seems like it would be a not great place to visit. Oh, and the zombie planet would be? But it'd be a great place for adventure. There's all kind of profit to be made. And 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 thus, listener, that concludes our second episode for our science fiction-based series. Jesse, what are we going to do for our third episode? We're making a ship. Ooh, we're making a ship. Can I make a request? Sure. Can we have something on the ship to be a catalyst for an adventure for one of these planets? Because I love these planets. Yes. Could we like put one of our alien creatures in like the lab on the ship and then like just do a little bit of fun nerd imaginary stuff about like doing like an aliens, you know? Or an alien, I should say, the first movie. Okay. Not yeah, a full you gotta adventure. Do an alien. Not a full adventure. We're designing a ship and then we're gonna do a section of it. We're gonna say, oh, by the way, here's what's in the fucking med bay on this ship. It's from <laughs> this planet. Okay, but I have a request too. Okay. Fair. We can only draw existing fictional influences from the show Lex. Oh my god. I haven't seen Lex in forever. <laughs> I'm kidding you, about wait, that one. You're I just gonna make wanted me to watch Lex. It. I don't agree to this. <laughs> I just wanted to mention that as a terrible idea. Oh God. Well, we are a podcast full of terrible ideas, listeners. But we hope you had fun along the way, Jesse. If uh, if if our listeners want to get in touch with us, how would they do so? You can reach out to us at Gmail at jauntymantis at gmail dot com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at wantymantis dot com. We also have a threads and an Instagram. They are Jaunty Mantis. They are. Um, I don't really check them. I'd be really happy if I saw something randomly. So you're free to. Yeah. We're deep enough into season two now, listener, that if you've been enjoying this process so far, or maybe if you haven't been enjoying it, why don't you let us know? We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you know, the Jaunty Mantis is a fun hobbyist project between the two of us. But, uh, you know, if you could give us any feedback on how things have gone, has this been useful to you? We've really enjoyed doing it. I love having an excuse to talk to my best friend every week. So that's my motivation for doing the podcast. But, uh, yeah, how, is this, has any of this been helpful to you? If it has or hasn't, let us know. Please keep it brief. Yeah, I, uh, I've been enjoying listening to them, but I think everybody that's been listening this far can tell I really like the sound of my own voice. So <laughs> I don't think I'm a good judge of whether this is a worthwhile investment of time. But if you think it is, please validate me, dear listener. <laughs> I mean, I think it's been super fun and I love hanging out with you. And, uh, you know, we're not in the same place. You know, I used to I used to hang out with Jesse every day. I loved it. So this this kind of harkens us back to a, a days of yore when we were a lot younger and able to just talk about nerdy gaming shit like all the time. Like 
we lived in the the perfect like nerd crash pad where it was like you'd be hanging out in your room and Jesse would come in and be like, hey, I have an idea for something in our game. What do you think of this? You know, and you would just talk about it for hours. It was fucking awesome. It's it, so cool. I loved it. So being able to just tap into that again uh, is really what makes this special for me. So, all right. Uh, me too, buddy. Me too. <laughs> all right. And uh, until next time, get out there and play some fucking role-playing games and some shit. Yeah, play, play some fucking games. Yeah. Do a, do a science fiction setting, a creative weird alien race that of insect bird creatures that taste like chicken. An amorphous beetle bird. Amorphous Flight beetle birds. <laughs> Teenage amorphous beetle birds. Alright, good day. <laughs>